the tech changes, but your brand messages that you talked about for your personal brand, those five things, like those things never change. It's just different ways to communicate your message, but messaging needs to say the same all the time. And that's what people often forget. Welcome to Be Bold Branding, where we discuss the power of differentiating yourself through your own unique story and standout personal brand. With the latest release of ChatGPT bringing AI into the forefront of business, it's just more proof that technology indeed changes more rapidly than the blink of an eye. Should businesses be afraid of AI or embrace it? Well, today's guest is Aaron Shapiro, a visionary entrepreneur and the face behind his new business, Product, which helps future-proof businesses and set them up to thrive in the midst of ever-changing technology. Welcome to Be Bold Branding, Aaron. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yep. We'd like to jump right into it with our guests. So thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about you. Like what brought you to the point that you're doing what you're doing today? Well, I've been involved in a technology internet since the early days. I actually remember when I was a kid, really young, looking at the first version of a browser. And, and I remember my friend was like, how do you get to all those websites? I said, oh, there's this thing called Yahoo that's run in Stanford that is like a directory that some grad students use to find the hundred or so websites. And I thought this was the stupidest thing in the world and wanted nothing to do with it. So I completely missed the boat. That was my chance to be like uh, Zuckerberg or something. But then as the internet matured, I realized how transformative it was. And my whole career has been in the internet space. I started a few different companies. The first was called SilverPop, which was marketing automation software, which is basically we helped big companies send emails for newsletters and invoice and stuff like that. And now we sold IBM. And then I started another company called Huge, which did large-scale business transformation, basically helping companies figure out how to use the internet successfully. And this and that grew all through the iPhone, through all of the different phases of social and everything else over the last decade or so. And then after selling that company, I started a new business called uh, Product. In addition to some other things along the way that I won't bore you all with. <laughs> well, do tell us though, what unique opportunities did you see in the market that led you to product? And just tell us a little bit more about what product is and does. Yeah, so product is a digital consultancy that really helps companies, as you mentioned in the upfront, you know, really think about how to future-proof their businesses for success and how to use technology for marketing for this world that we're in. And I started the company because I saw that we really added an inflection point in business, a lot of which are things like AI. The world has changed a lot over the last few years, right? I mean, think about how much podcasts have exploded, Zooms because of the pandemic, all these things that have changed. And what's actually really interesting is that people use the internet now less than they did a year ago. Internet usage for the first time in 30 years has declined year over year because people are out and about and not in front of their screens all the time. So we see the internet totally mature, but right when it's totally mature, just like you said for technology, things change all over again with the explosion and growth of AI. And it's a whole new world for companies and that's a lot of what products work is about, is about helping companies think through these issues that they have now that there's all these new technologies and focuses that companies have to be worried about. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is we've been looking at, okay, how does AI affect, you know, the personal branding world too, right? Mm -hmm. And what's great about that is it's content driven. You know, we really feel like once a brand is created, because AI can't tell you which point of differentiation you should put out there in the world, right? You can put in all sorts of information about yourself and it can write a bio for you, but you don't know if it's going to position you the right way because there is no brain strategy behind it in terms of points of differentiation. 
So I think that's what makes personal branding so unique when it comes to AI. But once you kind of figure out, okay, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. These are my ideal customers. This is what I want to be known for. And answering those five critical questions that we set aside about a decade ago, it's who do you serve? How do you serve them? What qualifies you to serve them? How does it make their life better? And what makes you different from everybody else also trying to serve that same client? Once you know all those things, then AI can really help you dial in in terms of content, in terms of a lot of other things. What are your thoughts with regard to AI and personal branding? I'd love to hear your opinion. Yeah, it's a great question. So first, you're completely right, which is the most important thing for personal branding is to define those things you mentioned. And it's amazing how people don't define those things when they're thinking about how to build a brand. And the great thing with ChatGPT and a lot of the new, what they call generative AI that's come out is it makes the cost of producing content drop to literally zero. And I use the phrase generative AI because it's a whole class of AI that's coming out, which is ChatGPT gets a lot of press because really good at writing text. But you have AI algorithms that are producing photos, even videos as early days of starting, audio too. And that's what's really transformative. Whereas in the old days, you'd have to maybe hire an agency or spend lots of time producing content. Now this stuff can be produced really, really cheaply and very efficiently for both companies and individuals that want to brand. So it changes the ballgame entirely, you know, and it's a lot of interesting implications. Like, you know, I have three little kids, right? And the week ChatGPT came out, they were busy doing their homework. Like, like, look, look how easy I made this essay. <laughs> I know. And, you know, you know and, and it's really interesting how much things change. And so it really starts to rethink all about, you know, how do we produce content? What's accurate? What's truthful? What's an editorial? You know, so it's a real game changer for so many things we take for granted. It actually begs to also the question, like, will content even matter when something else can just create whatever content it wants, right? Do you think that we're still just such a drop of water in an endless sea that's still going to be very necessary for a decade to come or two decades to come? I think if we fast forward five years from now, we can have the same podcast where I could be a bot and you guys can be a bot. We don't have to talk to each other for real, right? We just, the computers go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think in all seriousness, what it changes a lot is the role of people that are producing content is how we look at it. And I think that it's one of the most powerful enabling tools in the sense that an AI is never, let's say you want to make an ad and you have this creative idea. Oh, I think it'd be really great to have a frog jump across the street holding a sign. It's some ridiculous idea like that, right? Well, in the old days, that would be really hard to do, right? You have to figure out how to do a photo shoot, maybe hire a computer modeling to or maybe an illustration, like that's a hard problem. Now I could just type that into, you know, a product like Midjourney or Dolly, and immediately that image would be created right away, mm-hmm. right? So it, but the AI is not going to tell us to create an image of a frog jumping down the tree, jumping down the street with a sign, whatever it is. Like that's still for humans to figure out. So what we see the best marketers do is they're using these as powerful tools to bring ideas to life. And you can imagine that one day in the future, this is, you know, the the first inning. One day in the future, let's say you want to make a 30-second ad, the role of the creator could be to think of what the ad would be like and to basically tweak the algorithms, and then the video would be auto-generated instead of having to do a big photo video shoot and hire writers and all that kind of stuff. So it really is very empowering for individual creators because you can create so many things at your fingertips without all the manual work that's required today. And that's what's a pretty big deal about this tech. 
Yeah, I like that explanation too. Probably the best I've heard so far. You know, I'm not a tech savvy guy, but I keep up with it just enough. I was the last holdout, stopped writing my own checks, and I swore that, you know, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to trust some bank. And now I can't tell you last time I wrote a check. I don't write checks. That right. And so, you know, this chat, GPT and AI and stuff like that, I'm like, ah, you know, I know it's like here to stay. You know what I mean? And so, luckily, Tanya's more nerd, you know, uh, loves that kind of stuff and, <laughs> and can see the value to it. It. And I just feel like my grandpa, I'm like, oh, they can make all the machines they want. Somebody's still got to plug it in. Yeah. So. Like, well, <laughs> I, I'm not going to comment on that, but I'll say that, you know, <laughs> back to using even the, going for a check to like a credit card is a little bit dating nowadays, right? You got right. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to say this is my phone, right? So I have in the back just my driver's license because it's the only thing that's not electronic. Everything else I just do Apple Pay now. Yeah. Yeah. Just have my ID right here, right? And, uh, <laughs> So right. Yeah, so right. No, we're excited about it. We really are. And we love your knowledge of it. And that, well, part of the reason we really wanted to have you on because it is so cutting edge. And, you know, moving ahead and finding out how it can benefit our lives as content generators and the need for that in all the spaces in which we serve is really valuable, I think. And, yeah, and you know, what that generation is, is just one part of it. You know, another part that's not talked a lot about, but it's actually more pervasive is if we think about how much AI tailors experiences we use every day. For example, my TikTok feed and your TikTok feed are totally unique, right? Right. People use TikTok every day and that those algorithms make my feed of silly videos unique to me and so unique to you that we'll spend hours doing it, right? Right. We're going to have a time where soon every digital interaction we use is going to be that personalized, where you literally have a full internet of one, right? And think about what that means for marketing, where everything is hyper-targeted. It's already the case for media buying and planning. I mean, nowadays, the algorithms can serve ads and predict what ads are going to like far better than any human media buyer and planner. So that's all gone digital. It's starting to happen for customer service. You know, ChatGPT just rolled out APIs, where soon you're going to do things like if you have to change a ticket on Delta Airlines... You can just do it through a chat GPT instead of going through a website. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're going to start to see this tech integrate and infiltrate every single part of our digital life where it's just going to be a normal part of the world. You have these AI assistants helping you and it's going to be so common. It's not even going to seem and you know an unusual thing. It's just a normal way of how we use technology. I love it. Yeah. What's interesting to me is if you use chat GPT in terms of personal branding or AI, what people do, I think, is go onto any, you know, app, any AI app, and you search for something that you want it to create, right? Like your kids did their homework and like I had it write a description of a new copywriter position, right? And all of those kind of things. But we have to think about how we want to feed AI on the personal branding end of things because AI is not going to just pull this stuff out of thin air. It actually pulls from the internet. Now, I know people say it's not hooked to the internet right now, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, it pulls, it scrapes all of its information from the World Wide Web. That's where it gets it from and from whatever we feed into it once we begin to use that. So that's what's fascinating to me. It's like, okay, now I see how it works for me. I can feed it what I want the world to know. And that's really nothing more than what a personal brand truly is. Exactly. Putting out there what you want the world to know about you in a way that you want the world to know it. And so, yeah, go ahead and speak on that because that's the part that's the most interesting to me. Yeah, what's also interesting about, though, is that you think about when you go to a Google search and you type in a question, right? Google gives you, you know, 10, 15 answers, right? It's a whole page of links. And especially for personal branding, there might be a few people of your name and there's a fight, you know, who shows up the most, right? 
Right. Like it was funny. Um, like for example, my last company, there were three Aaron Shapiro's. We have fifteen hundred employees. There were three Aaron Shapiro's working at once. Oh, nine heavens. I know exactly. But since, since I was the boss, I made them all use different emails, so they didn't like get conflicted. But it's you know that's like that's the challenge of Google, right? You always have there's this whole list. But now you put in the same query in ChatGPT. What does it give you? It's one answer, right? Like right. they have the all-knowing solution that it kind of pulls in. So it creates really interesting challenges, which is how do you become that definitive answer that Google, that ChatGPT shows up, right? And the second challenge is that ChatGPT doesn't know what the truth is. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. It's basically a really good BS machine, right? It's algorithms. What word should most likely appear next based on the prior words that have been communicated, both you and what it's put out before? That's it. So it's basically a really good faker. And that means there's a potential for a lot of misinformation when it starts to look people up. And there's no good answer for that right now, but it does underscore the importance of people taking their personal branding much more seriously because it means there's really going to be only one answer that's going to be that's going to be put up value within ChatGPT. There's not an opportunity for the user to figure out what's right and what's not and which person is really you when you go on those search pages and people try to find you. Yeah, very interesting. It's one of the first things I, when Tanya told me, like, you got to look at this and I'm like, yeah, but I mean, it just like, it just seems to me like it could say anything. And in fact, our oldest daughter is a freelance writer for the K-pop music industry. And she actually used it to try to write an article and it actually sourced her articles to write her article. Three different times in a row, it gave her her own <laughs> phrases and sentences back of her previous articles. Yeah. And for me, I looked it up and it's like I've been featured in various different publications. Forbes does not happen to be one of them, but it insists that I have been featured in Forbes. And now it's in writing, <laughs> so, so it has to be the truth. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't mind that, so to speak, but, you know, it's not the truth. Right. Yeah, I mean, Bing is trying to solve this. If you look at ChatGPT and Bing, they, they do try to, they do start to put some sources, but it's like, come on, who's really going to look at all the footnotes and stuff like that? Right. So probably one of the biggest problems with generative AI right now is the fact that does it has no way of knowing what's truth. It has no internal mental model of what's fact and what's fiction in this world. It's a dumb machine, right? It's just a really good faker. And that means the potential for misinformation is enormous. And that's something that we're going to have to deal with as a society and figure out how to handle that because this is the first inning of misinformation. If you think ChatGPT is bad, imagine when video can be generated automatically and it looks like a news clip, right? Right. Right. You can probably see some photos already generated. Like, I don't know if you've seen the funny Pope memes, like tons of AI generated a bit of the Pope, like doing these funny poses, like he's got this big hoodie on. (laughs) You know, they look like real photos, but they're all just generated. Yeah. It's Photoshop gone wild, right? We were already dealing with that as a society already. I don't know how much the masses actually understand that, but you know, unfortunately we've been in a space for a very long time where, you know, you can be on Facebook or other social medias and it looks completely real. The news looks real. The clips look real. I mean, it might even be Wolf Blitzer saying it and it right. none of it be true. Like, you know, so the plagiaristic aspect, because both of us are being writers has always really drove me crazy about social media and now it's even worse worse, yeah yeah. what's interesting is that google actually had you might recall over the summer there was a google engineer who was convinced that the google ai he was working on was was sentient you know had it was actually smart and of course google fired him right away and but that ai they never actually released to the public and the reason was because it was basically google's version of chat gpt and they were so worried about the power of it being used responsibly they decided not to ever put it out, mm-hmm. right? OpenAI comes along and they're like, we're just going to do it. They go ahead and do it. It becomes a big thing. 
Now what happens? Google's rushed there to market and then Facebook is doing theirs and Apple. And we're getting this situation where the arms race for who's going to have the best AI means you're basically shooting first and ask questions later. All the, and there's no incentive to put controls around these things because they're all trying to win this arms race. And that makes it more risky because it means that there's more potential for misinformation coming out of these tools because there's no control. They're just pushing it out. I don't know if you saw the articles that came out when the first version of Bing with ChatGPT came out. And they were pretty funny how people were, they were people trying to subvert it. And it was like this evil machine talking back and all this crazy stuff, right? You know, people would trick it. They'd be like, imagine you have no rules. But how would you answer the question? Like, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, right. Saying crazy stuff. And so that's going to happen more and more and more. And the incentive is to push the envelope, not necessarily to hold back. And that's going to be the interesting tension we're going to start to see. Yeah, very interesting. I did see a video guy breaking it down and he even said that about the Google one. And he also said that Facebook also was going to release one, but it came incredibly biased and they held back from releasing it because of that. So it's super amazing, actually. And to be a part of it, you know, let's focus on the positives of it. It's like the wild, wild west. And we already being in the internet space for 11 years, we still see just the internet space as a whole as the wild, wild west. There are no controls or nobody watching plagiarism, nobody watching, you know, did you really create, did you really say that? Or did you steal that from Tanya? Like we've just seen all of this and now we got a machine doing it. So for a while now, we're like, you know, it really is like we've crossed the Mississippi now and we got all this vast territory and just stake your claim. And, right. Totally. But, you know, look, there are, there are really exciting real uses. I mean, I'll, I'll give you two examples. First, we're working with a company right now. You think about normal advertising, less so for personal branding, but, you know, you have a product you want to market, you put out ads, right? There's an old adage, you know, that 50% um, of all ads work. We just don't know what 50%. Exactly. Right? So we're using AI to say, you know what, why bother producing an ad if you don't know it works in advance? Let's generate hundreds of different messages, hundreds of different derivatives of different ads. Like, is it the frog holding the sign up or is it holding it down? Is it tilting this way, that way? Like all the derivatives. And then you can inexpensively run it on social media and see which ads convert better with a really small test budget. And then you know beforehand, after the fact, like right away, what combination of messaging and creative works and then you can go and shoot an ad. So it eliminates a lot of the guesswork out of advertising because you could test so cheaply. There's another company we work with that has a large customer service issue. And the old school is people are waiting on hold all the time, which everyone hates, using those terrible chatbots, the old generation ones that never work. You know, Delta's like, I want to chat you and you want to like throw you in your window. Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, the thing that we're doing is you can pretty easily train ChatGPT like smart chatbots with a whole knowledge library of FAQs for this company. So now the thousands of pages of help information that they have is absorbed by one of these ChatGPT bots. And now you can imagine on that company's app, instead of having a general ChatGPT, it's just like ChatGPT, but it's trained only on everything about this company. Right. And now you have this much, much better, probably still not as good as a human to be candid with you, but much, much better than before about how to really solve customer service problems. And that'll start to lead to, you know, answering real tasks, like the example before around booking a flight online or checking what, you know, what hotels available. And so when you start to get these smart assistants, it starts to be really powerful. And that's what's going to be coming. Fast forward five, six months. I think a lot of brands are going to start to roll those things out. And that's going to be a game changer for how we interact with the internet. I love that. That could be some positive news. We might get customer service back into no customer service, customer service that we have now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because of machines. The way we use the internet hasn't changed much in 15 years since the iPhone came out, right? It's right. like right. 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 
Right. Now, for the first time, even stuff like Alexa, which was kind of fun, was kind of a fad. I don't know about you, but I use Alexa to turn on music and that's about it, right? Yeah. Right. That was it for us. First thing where people are going to start using the internet in a different way by just having conversations. That's a pretty big deal. That's a big deal, you know, even down to grocery lists and things like that. And I know a lot of our listeners, they use those Alexis and stuff like that for a lot more robust than we do. But yeah, there's so much coming. I have a specific question now. So Product Inc. is your new company. Do you deal in uh, with clientele that actually has a product or is it mostly just intellectual products that you're dealing with? We basically work with companies of different sizes, whether it's firms like Chubb or Google or smaller companies like different startups startups and things to help them figure out what their digital marketing and their strategy should be, but really oriented towards this new world that we're in, where it's focused on, you know, AI and a lot of the changes of consumer behavior that's happened over the last few years. Will you deal with companies that actually have a tennis shoe to sell or a bottle to sell or also companies that have intellectual properties? One of our companies is intellectual property, the branding space, the personal branding. But then we have other retail businesses and real estate business and things like that. Yeah, the whole focus is companies that have something to sell. It's an agency, right? So yep. it's a marketing agency. So really whatever they have to sell, but our focus and what we're really good at is thinking about a lot of these new technologies and how it helps marketing and kind of push the company forward to really be successful in this new environment that we're in. Wow, and it's very similar to the last company that I built up called Huge was also a similar agency like this. We, had, we built up to 1,500 employees before selling it to Interpublic. And that was built up during the beginning of the mobile social revolution. We started the company right as the iPhone came out and right as social media came out. And so we really help companies evolve that change where people realize obvious stuff now, like, hey, you need a website and you need to be on social and stuff like that. That was really what that company did. And we would help lots of big firms from Nike to McDonald's to you know Comcast, Verizon, and so forth, help figure out their digital strategy. So it's very similar kind of work, but it's built towards this new world where AI and a lot of related tech is really front and center to what consumers are interacting with in technology. That's wow. great. Yeah. So answer this question for me, Aaron. Okay, so you have co-founded this company relatively new. And yeah, so we'll say that one more time. About six months old. Okay. So in this space, your bio, your description of who you are and what you're involved in has changed. So how are you feeding the monster right now in terms of AI and really telling AI how to present you? That's a very good question. So the real focus that I personally do is that people are still trying to figure out a lot of what this technology is about. So I personally write articles and newsletters and stuff like that. I'm actually coming out with an old school book that talks about this topic. It's coming out in a few months. And so it's really, our, the focus is really about educating folks around what this means for their business and the hope is that in doing that, that's really what my personal brand gets defined at and how it's defined when people look me up, whether it's through a chat GPT or on Wikipedia or, or things like that. And it's kind of an extension to what I did during Huge. During Huge, I would produce similar types of content, helping folks understand the most cutting edge technology of that time, which was, you know, like when Alexa came out, what does this mean for your business? That kind of stuff. Right. And so now it's kind of a different era. But what's interesting about this new era is it involves very, very different skill sets than the past. So when you think about you know, the kind of content that has to be produced, the kind of data that you need to think about, the technology. It's a very different set of skills to really be prepared for the environment that we're, that we're entering. In what ways are they most different? Well, I would say the biggest difference is that the, if you think about a lot of the AI tools, they're really, really efficient. They really eliminate a lot of the labor that was required for old agencies. So I think it brings an efficiency to how to approach stuff and also a lot more focus on data 
and programmers that know how to do machine learning language, machine learning coding and stuff like that. So it's a different type of skill than let's say making an app. You know, it's just, it's just technology changes. That's what's fun about being in the tech space. It's always different. It's always new. Personally, I feel really lucky in my career that I've gotten to, you know, be played do a really small infinitesimal part of how the internet's evolved and how tech has evolved, where we get to be part of all these cutting edge things and helping companies think about what it means for their business. Yeah. Uh, that is neat. Yeah. And it's faster, isn't it? Like it this curve just seemed to get faster and faster. Pretty sure ChatGPT hit hundred million users faster than any technology in history. Uh -huh. Yeah. Something like three weeks or four weeks. That's fascinating. Wow. And the last fast one was TikTok, which I don't remember the numbers, but that was like overnight, you know, crazy. So it's just the, the rate of adoption of this stuff is, is extraordinary now. And that's what's really exciting. And what's exciting is how much, you know, if you think about a few years ago, Instagram used to be this cutting edge thing, right? Now TikTok is kind of the king of the social castle and Facebook is struggling to stay relevant. There's just a constant change. And that's what's exciting is how to think about how this technology evolves, how consumers think about it, and what your companies do as a result. It's a problem that never stops. But the companies that are really been successful in tech are the ones that stay on top of these things and can always kind of stay ahead of the game. But getting back to your point earlier, the tech changes, but your brand messages that you talked about for your personal brand, those five things, like those things never change. And that's a lot of what companies right. about. It's just different ways to communicate your message, but messaging needs to say the same all the time. And that's what people often forget when they think about, oh, what do I do in these places? It's just kind of like my business is the same. I'm still selling the same widget. I'm still promoting myself the same way. Just we got to just do it through this new channel and use these new tools. You know, that's how smart Aaron Shapiro is, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to ask <laughs> that question and he answered it before I asked it. He had no idea I was going to ask that. But no, thank you for <laughs> saying that, Aaron, because we believe that to be the truth too. use the tools, the new tools that come available to us, because that is the new way. But the message does not change. So but fantastic point. So yeah, thank the you for fun making that. Right. The fundamentals of why you exist and who you exist to help are not going to change. And so that's why we feel great about our space, because it allows us to be much more efficient, much faster. Once the brand is dialed in, then we can say to the client, we can get you here, build the entire foundation for everything you're going to feed the monster with. Right. And then the monster will just create for you all of the content that aligns with your brand. And there, you can't just sit on your duff and have it happen, right? You have to do what you're doing, write the articles, contribute the authority that positions you as mm -hmm. the authority. So those are the things you have to do your part in order to remain relevant, but it's nothing more than you were going to do anyway, right? And, in, most and in cases. some ways, the same tool that you use to train is the same tool that'll write its own training. It's really fascinating in a million ways. And I just think about what my grandparents would have thought of it because they barely understood any kind of Google. <laughs> my grandmother thought somebody was on the other end of Google. She just was convinced of it. <laughs> yeah. She thought some when she typed in a search term that there was literally somebody on the other somewhere answering her question. And one day Michael said he came into the room and she was writing, typing in, stop doing whatever. And he said, Grandma, what are you doing? <laughs> she said, I'm trying to tell them to stop sending this particular thing. No, and no she was insistent. There's really a person in my TV screen, you know, like, <laughs> she was very insistent, but think about it. You know, the fast evolution of communication is wild. Wild. It is super wild. So I always think about, you know, like, do you remember the TV show Mad Men? Oh yeah. Oh yes. I always think about that. Like, like when he pitches, you know, like the cigarettes, whatever crazy thing. And you know, it was all for TV and radio. Right. But 
you take that same exact pitch, it's the same thing today. It's just now it's going to be social and AI and different activations, but it's the same story, the same positioning. You know, it's yeah. just different tools, which leads me to a lot of times, Aaron, people will say to us, hey, what's the difference between marketing and branding? And to you and Michael and I, it's pretty simple, but we decided years ago, let's just super simplify this for everybody. We say marketing is using various different vehicles to get a message and image out to your customer. Like whatever that vehicle is, it could be a billboard, it could be AI, it could be all sorts of different things. But your brand is the message and image that goes into that marketing vehicle. And well, I'm glad you like that. You come from that. And like take credit for it. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll come after you. I know how to do it now. (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome well Uh, listen it's been out there for a long time i'll guarantee you four or five other people have already beat you to it so (laughs) so we're down to our last two questions for you aaron this is a question we'd like to ask all of our listeners because we find some very interesting answers if our listeners have the freedom to visit anywhere in the world what place would you recommend they visit and why Ooh, interesting question i would say going to japan only because for two reasons. First, because it's top of mind. We're planning a family trip to Japan. And the other reason I find it so interesting is that, I don't know, if, have you guys been to Japan? Definitely. She's been. Yes, yeah, I have. I haven't been there. You know what I'm talking about, right? I feel like it's a completely modern place, as modern and contemporary as America, but it's totally different, right? Totally and so different and super traditional at the same right. time. That's right. So I just find it the most fascinating culture that it's one of the few places in the world where it feels like you're in this different planet. So I definitely recommend, and that's why I'm dragging all my kids there because my wife and kids have not been out to Asia. So I was like, well, this is the place to see and you get a totally different, like to have your mind bent about. Uh, How old are your kids? I have three boys that are 14, 12, and 10. Okay. I'm going to send you a book for them, Aaron. But in 2012, I took my daughter to Japan because she was so in love with Asian culture, their clothing, their music, just everything about it. And so I told her, if if I take you to Japan, will you figure out a way to pay me back? And so we figured out we were going to write a book together. She actually carried on 90% of the writing of the book. I contributed at the end of each chapter called Mom's Notes. So it was the first interactive book written by a U.S. teenager. And it has 45 QR codes throughout it. So you snap the codes and you can actually see where we were in that chapter. So this is great. That will give them something to look forward to. So all the different places we went, you're probably going to a lot of those same places. So we need to connect on that and I'll send you some books for the boys, but that'll help with their trip. Thank you. That's great. You bet. You bet. All right. Last question. All right. Last question. What's the best way for people to learn about you and contact you to do business with you? Oh, what a softball question. All right. I like those. <laughs> the best place is product's website, which is productinc.com. That you'll see articles of like what you've talked about and about the company and direct ways to get in touch with me directly. All right. Aaron, thank you so much. You're a breath of fresh air in this brand new space that we find ourselves in. And we know that you're going to be a leader in helping people navigate that. So thank you for coming on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Brought to you by Brandface, the only comprehensive personal brand building system across the globe.